the Holy Spirit is with us. All of us at time need help in our lives. A few years ago, I'm laying on the couch and uh, in pain at home watching TV and I'm ready to get up and either take some meds or, or just get up and try to find a more comfortable place. But there's a problem. I can't get up. So I called Micah over. He's sitting on the other side of the room. I said, Micah, come help me get up. So my high school son is helping me for the first time ever. I've always been healthy, but I just had major surgery, and now I needed help to sit up on the couch so I could get to my feet. Sometimes when you have a check engine light come on in your car, and you lift the hood and Start looking around like back to the future for the flux capacitor and, uh, you know, you can't find it anywhere and you don't know what's going on. You need help. You need someone to come alongside and help. There's moving day and you don't even own a truck. Well, you do. You got to call somebody for help. But what about our spiritual lives? I mean... After we come to trust Jesus as our Savior, does the Lord just kind of pat us on the back and say, man, good luck, hope you make it? And that's not the instance at all. The truth of the matter is, is that God gives us the Holy Spirit to guide us, strengthen us, so that we can live the Christian life. Take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to John chapter 16. We're going to pick up in verse number 7. I hope you bring every week just a sweet reminder to bring God's Word with you. I know you can have it on your phone and tablets. We're going to be looking around in John 14 to 16 today. But today we're going to pick up in verse number 7 of John 16. John 16, 7. Jesus is speaking to his disciples and he says this, Nevertheless, I'm telling you the truth. It is for your benefit that I go away, because if I don't go away, the counselor, here's the reference of the whole, to the Holy Spirit, the counselor will not come to you. If I go, I will send him to you. When he comes, he will convict the world about sin, righteousness, and judgment. About sin, because they do not believe in me. About righteousness, because I'm going to the Father, and you will no longer see me. And about judgment because the ruler of this world has been judged. And with that, let's pray together. God, thank you uh, for uh, your truth. Thank you, Lord, that uh, you are always with us. As we just sung, you are always with us. And thank you that you are always with us through the Holy Spirit. So God, illuminate our minds this hour and, and take the truth of your word and through the power of your spirit and speak to us. In Jesus' name, amen. As we think about John 14, we find Jesus speaking to his disciples in the upper room. Now, 
In John 3, as we looked at Nicodemus and in that most famous verse in the Bible last week, John 3, 16, for God so loved the world. When we think about how awesome it is, this wonderful truth that we looked at last week, God loves me. That is tremendous. God loves me. There is something affirming and something awesome about that. That the God of the universe who created all things loves me. But listen, God not only loves loves me, but God also lives in me. God loves me, yes, but God also lives in me through the person of the Holy Spirit. Now, you and I both have some people that we love, but we find it's a lot easier to love them from a distance. Some of you are smiling. I mean, you love them, but you don't really want to go on vacation with them. You know, it's those kind of folks. You love them from from a distance. Yeah, they're great, but I don't really, I love them, but, you know, I see them at church. I see them at this place. You know, they're part of my, my extended family. I love them, but I don't really want to live with them. But here the picture is, as we come to the New Testament and we think about the Holy Spirit, God shows that he not only loves us, but that that he has come to live in us. Now, that is overwhelming. When you think about the fact that God loves you, that should just be awesome and overwhelming in your own life. But the fact that he doesn't just love you from a distance. He loves you and he lives right in you. And as Jesus is sharing in the upper room with his disciples, this is the night that he will go off to the garden and he will receive a kiss from Judas and be arrested by the Romans and he will be tried and he will be crucified. Jesus is coming down to his very final statements. And as you look at John 14 through 16, we see Jesus constantly and consistently bringing up the Holy Spirit. Now, sometimes in Baptist life, we have shied away from talking about the Holy Spirit. And as we're moving through our We Believe series, we believe in God, we believe in the Bible, we believe in Jesus, but we believe and we have to understand the work of the Holy Spirit. When we think about the Holy Spirit and we think about the Holy Spirit's work in our life, the Holy Spirit works in our life in salvation, in salvation, sanctification, that's our spiritual growth, and in our service. And sometimes we miss it. We talk a lot about Jesus as we read the Gospels. We talk a lot about God as we look back specifically in passages in the Old Testament. But throughout this passage in John 14 through 16, Jesus constantly and consistently brings up the person of the Holy Spirit. He is the third person of the God. It is the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has a major part in your salvation, in your spiritual growth, and in your service. And so that's what we're going to talk about as we think through the work of the Holy Spirit in our life today. And first off, we notice this, that the Holy Spirit calls us to salvation. 
The Holy Spirit calls us to salvation. We just looked in John 16, 7 through 11. In verse number 8, it tells us that the Holy Spirit comes to convict the world about sin and righteousness and judgment to come. So the Holy Spirit's work in salvation first is to bring a sense of conviction and conviction of sin. Now, it's interesting here that he doesn't use a plural word, sins. Now, there is a sense in which the Holy Spirit does convict us when we do things that are wrong, when we say something that's bad, when we do something that is unethical. The Holy Spirit can convict us of that. But as you look at this passage in verse number 8 through 11, what we find is that the Holy Spirit convicts us of sin because they have not believed in Jesus. So the Holy Spirit truly convicts us of one major sin, and that is you must believe in Jesus. Now, we understand that every sin will disqualify us, or any sin will disqualify us from a perfect heaven with a perfect God. But there is one sin that will permanently keep us out of heaven, and that is the sin of rejecting Jesus as Savior. And so Jesus is pointing in and he's honing in. We recognize all of us have sinned. No one has lived a perfect life where they've never said anything, done anything, uh, or thought anything that's wrong. We all know that. But the one sin that will keep us out of heaven is the sin of unbelief. So Jesus says, look, I'm convicting of sin because they have not believed in me. And you understand that word believe is used 90 times in the New Testament. Jesus convicts of sin because we haven't believed. But then he convicts us of righteousness. And he says, I convict of righteousness because I go to my Father. Now, throughout Jesus' life and ministry, he convicted those who were self-righteous, who thought, I don't really need God, I'm keeping the law. I'm doing good things. And Jesus says, no, the Holy Spirit is going to come and say, you can't make it on your own. The Holy Spirit is going to drive home the sense that you can't get to heaven by works. You can't get to heaven by doing good things. The Pharisees and the Sadducees of that day, on the outside, they tried to look like everything was good and they were perfectly following the law. And yet Jesus would say that they are, that, that they were whitewashed tombs. They looked clean on the outside, but inside they were dead, spiritually dead. He convicts of sin, he convicts of righteousness, and he convicts of judgment. He convicts of judgment to come. He convicts, he says, for the the ruler of this world has been judged. There is an essence in which that that Satan was judged when he was the angel who was who exalted himself in Isaiah 14 and, and cast out of heaven. But there is a sense in which God already could see and know and perfectly orchestrate the plan in which the ruler of this world is going to be judged. And listen, it is as good as done. And here's the issue for us. The challenge for us is we all know that and we all sense that there is a judgment for all of us before God. And so the issue here is, is there is a judgment. And the Holy Spirit reminds us that one day you are going to stand before God and give an account of yourself. What they considered to be the most impenetrable, uh, unbreakable prison was Alcatraz in San Francisco Bay. They, they didn't think anyone would ever be able to escape from there. Thirteen 
men uh, tried and got caught, those 13. There were eight others that as they tried, they either were shot or drowned. But there are still five people that escaped from Alcatraz that they don't know what happened to. They don't know if they drowned. They presume they drowned. It makes them probably feel better that they drowned in San Francisco Bay. But here's the truth of it. We don't know what happened. But I can guarantee you what will happen. There will be no one who will escape the judgment of God. No one. God sees all, God knows all. And none will escape his judgment. So the Holy Spirit comes to convict. But there's an a, a interesting Greek nuance to this word that he will bring conviction. The word not only brings like conviction in a sense of court, but it also has a word of convince. The word convince or the word confirm. So the Holy Spirit not only convicts us of sin and righteousness and judgment, but he also convinces us or there is the confirmation that Jesus is the Savior. Now, as we look at this passage, we find that that Jesus convicts us of sin because they have not believed. So what's Jesus doing? He's convicting us of sin, but he's also confirming Jesus is the Savior. There is only one way. And throughout the Gospel of John, and as we looked at this morning in John 14, at the very beginning of Jesus sharing with the disciples, Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. So the Holy Spirit convicts of sin, but then there's this confirmation in our life that says Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the only way of salvation. As Peter and John in Acts chapter 4 would cry out, there is no other name under heaven whereby we must be saved except the name of Jesus. There is the Holy Spirit calling us to salvation. But secondly, in John 14 through 16, we also find that the Holy Spirit indwells us at salvation. Now take your Bibles if you're in John chapter 16, and we're going to look back just a couple of, of chapters to John chapter 14. John chapter 14 in verse number 16. The Holy Spirit indwells us at salvation. He says this, in John fourteen sixteen, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another counselor, another counselor of like kind. Just as I have been here on the earth, I'm going to send another of like kind who's going to be fully God, who's going to come. That's what he's saying. To be with you forever. He is the spirit of truth. The world's unable to receive him because it doesn't see him or know him. But you do know him. Because he remains with you and will be in you. Now notice John 14, 16. I will not leave you as orphans. I am coming to you. Jesus makes it clear in this passage. I'm going to send another comforter. I'm not going to leave you as an orphan. Jesus drives it home to us so plain and so clear. The spirit of truth is going to come. So the Holy Spirit indwelling us assures us of God's presence. Jesus says, look, I'm going to go. But the Holy Spirit is coming and he's coming to stay. Now remember, when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Jesus was in Bethlehem. Jesus was raised in Nazareth. Jesus was in Nazareth. When Jesus was in Capernaum, Jesus was in Capernaum. 
When Jesus was in Cana of Galilee, Jesus was in Cana of Galilee. When Jesus was in Jerusalem, Jesus was in Jerusalem. Jesus was not in Cana and Jerusalem at the same time. Jesus was in a body. And though fully God, taking upon flesh, Jesus in his body was at one place at one time. And now he says, I'm sending the Holy Spirit who's going to come. And because he is a spirit, he's going to indwell all believers forever. That's the picture. I'm going to leave the Holy Spirit another comforter of the same kind. Do you realize that as we're gathered here in St. Charles, Missouri today, that I can be up on this platform and have the Holy Spirit and the folks all the way in the back row of the balcony, if they know Jesus, they have the Holy Spirit. Same Holy Spirit. Did you know that the city St. Charles is not unique to Missouri? That there are 18 different states that have a city called St. Charles? So you might be sitting here in St. Charles, Missouri and someone else sitting in St. Charles, Iowa. And the same Spirit who indwells us here because we know Jesus, indwells them whatever way north is. So that's the picture. The Holy Spirit indwells us and assures us of God's presence. Jesus says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. What's he saying? The Spirit of Christ, the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit. They're the same. I'm coming. But not only does his indwelling assure us of God's presence, uh, Romans 8, 9 would drive it home in Paul's writing where he would say, if anyone does not have the spirit of Christ, he is not his. Now that's a theological truth there. Romans 8, 9. If anyone doesn't have the spirit of Christ, he's not his. So if you don't have the Holy Spirit, you might be a lot of things, including a Baptist. But if you don't have the Holy Spirit... You're not in Jesus' family. But that Holy Spirit not only assures us of God's presence, but his indwelling assures us of God's power. Of God's power. I, I love to think about the Holy Spirit as Jesus was there and able to work and, and, and show his great and mighty power. The same power that empowered Jesus is the same power that empowers us, the Holy Spirit. Listen, the Holy Spirit is not just an it out there and not a force out there. The Holy Spirit is a person, the third person in the Godhead, and the Holy Spirit assures us of God's power. Do you know what Romans 8, 11 describes the Holy Spirit as, as the Holy Spirit as? The Spirit who raised Jesus from the dead. Do you know who lives in you? The same spirit who broke Jesus out of a tomb. That's the power that we have in our life. We got an example of some power this week as we turned on our news and watched the devastating force of Hurricane Ian come through. We saw an awesome amount of power. And yet, when we think about the power of God and we think about the power to create out of nothing, when we think of the power of Jesus who would speak and say, peace, be still, 
And we think about the Spirit and the Holy Spirit power, the third person of the Godhead, the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead. That's the power you have access to in your life. The Holy Spirit calls us to salvation and dwells us at salvation. Third truth is this, the Holy Spirit equips us in salvation. The Holy Spirit equips us in salvation. Now, as we go through the areas of equipping that the Holy Spirit does in John 14 through 16, this is not an exhaustive list. There are uh, other ministries and other ways in which the Holy Spirit ministers and moves to us. Just as in salvation, there are other ways that the Holy Spirit moves and works as well. He convicts of sin. We understand that. He convinces us of Jesus. But we find in John 3, there's this whole power of the Spirit to bring uh, us a born-again regeneration experience. So we don't have time to talk about everything that the Holy Spirit does. But let's think about the work of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. What does the Holy Spirit do? Well, take your Bibles and look with me in John chapter 14 and look down in verse number 25. Verse 25 and 26. The Holy Spirit equips us in salvation. I have spoken these things to you while I remain with you. But then notice what it says. But the counselor, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have told you. Now, when the Holy Spirit is called the counselor, in some of your Bibles, it may be translated helper, advocate, comforter. I like that word comforter because it breaks down into English very easy for us. And I've shared this many times, but the prefix come means with, and the word forte in music means strength. He comes along with strength. He comes along to provide strength. He comes along to equip us to do what we need to do. Sometimes when we think of the Holy Spirit as a counselor, we we can sometimes think that, you know, we just tell him our problems and then he just pats us on the hand and says it's going to be okay. That's not the picture at all. When the Holy Spirit comes as counselor, what does he do? Well, this passage just tells us he teaches us. The Holy Spirit teaches us the truth of God's word. Matter of fact, over in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, there is a a, a contrast between a man who is natural and of the flesh and a man who is of the spirit. And in 1 Corinthians 2, verses 12 through 14 in particular, he talks about those who are in the spirit have this ability to uh, have the, the spirit teach us and illuminate the word of God. But the natural man, the, the man who's lost, does not receive the things of the Lord. The Holy Spirit teaches us in life. As we read the scripture, the Holy Spirit brings illumination. As we listen to people teach and preach, the Holy Spirit drives home illumination. He teaches us. But notice in John 14, 26, he also reminds us. He reminds us. Have you ever just been in a conversation and the Holy Spirit just reminds you of a verse, of of a word to say, of an illustration of something? Something that you maybe have thought of a long time ago, but the Lord's just using you to speak to someone else. He reminds you. He brings back things to mind. There have been many times in my life when I faced a heartache or faced a difficulty or faced a challenge, and the Holy Spirit just brought this remembrance of a verse, remembrance of God's faithfulness. There is this reminding that the Holy Spirit does. Then he also convicts. We just looked at this in John 16, 7 through 11. He convicts. He convicts us of sin. 
sin. Remember, he is called the Holy Spirit. So when we're not walking in a holy way and we're getting out of bounds here or we're getting out of bounds there, then the Holy Spirit brings conviction into our life. And then notice also in John chapter 16, notice down in verse number 7, or verse number uh, 13. John chapter 16 and verse number 13. It says this, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own. He'll speak whatever he hears. The Holy Spirit guides us. He guides. Sometimes we, we don't even fully understand. We just have this, this, this urge, this, this compulsion in us in which the Holy Spirit is moving and guiding and showing. I was sitting with a young man uh, who was in high school at the time a few years ago when we were sitting at the kitchen table together at, in our home, and he had just prayed to receive Christ. And he looked at me and he said, you know, uh, a year ago I lived in Illinois, and a year ago you lived in Georgia. Who would have ever thought that somebody from Illinois, because of a family situation, would end up moving here, and you would end up getting called here, and I would end up sitting at this table, and I would end up coming to Jesus right here. And I thought, man, that's pretty profound for a kid who just came to know the Lord. But there's the picture, the Holy Spirit guiding and working and moving. The Holy Spirit guides, but then the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. The work of the Holy Spirit is to glorify Jesus. Notice what it says back in John chapter 16, verse number 14. He will glorify me because he will take from what is mine and declare it to you. There are many today that as they come, they just want to talk about the Holy Spirit and all the, the signs and wonders. Listen, do you know what the Holy Spirit's job is? Point to Jesus. The Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. The Holy Spirit works in our lives so that we will exalt and worship Jesus. The Holy Spirit pushes us, glorifies, exalts Jesus. That's the work of the Holy Spirit. So the Holy Spirit is, is at work. He's at work in our life. He calls us to salvation. He indwells us at salvation. He equips us for salvation by his teaching and reminding and convicting by his guiding and glorifying Jesus. But then, fourthly, we see this, that the Holy Spirit empowers us to share salvation. The Holy Spirit empowers us to share salvation. Notice with me in John 15 and verse number 26. When the counselor comes, the one I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will testify about me. And then he says in this, in verse number 27, you also will testify because you've been with me from the beginning. The Holy Spirit is going to testify of me and then you're, the Holy Spirit will come into your life and then you will testify of me. Isn't this exactly what happened in Acts chapter 2? In Acts 1, Jesus said, You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit's come upon you. And you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth, of the earth. And then in Acts chapter 2, the Holy Spirit comes. And what happens? There's great power to witness. There's power to speak the truth of Jesus. And today, you have access to the same power that raised Jesus from the dead. So whether you teach Sunday school or you witness to your neighbor, whether you're down on the floor with 
preschoolers singing, Jesus loves me, or you are standing in front of a group preaching, we understand that the Holy Spirit empowers us unto, in, in our salvation, and he empowers us to share salvation. That's the picture. The Holy Spirit empowers us to be witnesses. As we think about the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit is one that is going to empower us to share. The Holy Spirit is going to empower us to share and witness for Jesus. I did a funeral yesterday. Uh, Clovis Vest used to sit second or third pew right here for many, many years and uh, then was in a nursing home and was unable to come. But I did Clovis's funeral yesterday. Clovis was saved in 1944 in Dias, Arkansas. He was the son of a sharecropper. Hard life. Came to know Jesus. He was baptized a week before his father died of TB. Do you know who faithfully taught this young guy in Sunday school in the 1940s? His Sunday school teacher's name was Mr. Cash. Mr. Cash was the father of Johnny Cash. And if you look at Johnny Cash, Johnny Cash is just a year older than Clovis. And Mr. Cash was his Sunday school teacher. And I thought, you know, what an impact as a young boy that this guy came to know Jesus and throughout his life impacted people. And if it wasn't for Mr. Cash's famous son, Johnny Cash, he was a Sunday school teacher would have just been Mr. Cash. Many of you are laboring and working and you're teaching and you're sharing. Only eternity will tell how the Holy Spirit has used that message and has empowered that word to change and touch others. We're empowered to witness for Christ and then we're also empowered to walk and to bear fruit for Jesus Christ as well. As we think about that, we turn to Galatians 5.16. We don't have time to turn there, but it says, walk in the spirit and you'll not fulfill the lust of the flesh. And then in Galatians 5.22, it tells us that the fruit of the spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And the same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead, empowers you to live and walk in love and in joy and in peace. The same spirit who raised Jesus from the dead speaks through you as you hold and rock a baby in the preschool or you teach a senior adult class or you greet someone on a Sunday morning. That is the power of of God's spirit. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. And Jesus has come through the Holy Spirit. But the Bible tells us that we can grieve the spirit in Ephesians chapter four and verse number 30. And we can quench the spirit in 1 Thessalonians chapter five and verse number 19. We can say no I want to live my own way and do my own things and act out. I can say, no, I don't want to follow the direction of the Lord. So I want to ask three questions and we wrap it up.
Here it is. First off, has the Holy Spirit been speaking to you about sin and salvation? Do you know that you know Jesus? This is life's most important question. If, if you don't know, if, if, if in your heart today there's just this, this voice that's speaking, there's this compulsion that says, hey, you just need to make sure of this. That's the Holy Spirit and is he speaking? Would you say yes to him today? Pastor Jerry, our staff's around. We'd love to talk with you about this. For some of you, the Holy Spirit may be guiding you and directing you and working in your life and there's some some movement that you need to make. And you just need to say, yes, I'll take that next step. I'll make that next decision because I already know what you're speaking to me about. And some of you, the Holy Spirit may be saying, is there someone in your family or that needs to hear? Is there someone you need to share with? If the Holy Spirit's speaking to you about salvation, speaking to you about that next step of obedience or speaking to you about sharing today, don't, don't, don't grieve the Spirit. Don't quench the Spirit. Instead, walk in the Spirit. And would you just say, yes, Lord, I surrender. With that, let's pray. I, I wonder today, I would never come out and embarrass anyone or push anyone to do anything, but I wonder, is the Lord speaking to you about sin and salvation today? Is the Lord talking to you about the next step of obedience in your life today? Is the Lord talking to you about someone you need to share with today? The Holy Spirit empowering you to witness. And I just wonder if, if... if I can just pray with you again, I'm not going to come up to anybody and believe me, in just a few minutes, I'm going to be down and teaching a Bible study class that I'm not going to necessarily remember everybody who raises their hand. But, but if the Holy Spirit's working in your life and, and there's a decision you need to make, there's a, a challenge that's before you, there's a, 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 someone that needs Jesus around you and you just feel burdened for him today, would you just slip your hand up real quick and then just put it down? All right, hands all over, going up. And I'm going to pray for you. I'm not, I'm not going to embarrass anyone. Jesus, thank you that you did not leave us as orphans, but you sent us the precious Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit, as you move today, and have touched hearts about a decision, a step, oh Lord, would you speak and move in the power of your name. Would you bring conviction or comfort Would you empower and embolden? And Lord, would you draw us closer to Jesus in your powerful and awesome and holy and wonderful name, we pray. Amen. Let's stand.